0: the Faith Baptist Church in Martinsburg, West Virginia. I've been uh, looking forward in coming for some time and excited and elated to be here. I uh, remember meeting uh, your uh, good pastor and my dear friend, with Caldwell, years ago in a uh, Jubilee meeting. There are two churches uh, in the state of Michigan uh, where uh, I'm from, and uh, they have a, uh, it's called uh, Lakeshore Jubilee. And uh, they run that meeting. Uh, one year, one church will have it on their property. The next year, another church have it on their property, and they uh, go together on that meeting. And uh, I've had the joy through the years preaching there. Oh my, more times than I can count, and uh, can remember meeting Brother Caldwell in that meeting, and so appreciate not only him but his family as well. His son Carter uh, wanted to uh, go with his dad to pick me up at the airport late, late, late last night. And, uh, you know, when preachers get together, we we talk shop. It's kind of like when firemen are together, they talk about putting out fires. And when policemen get together, they talk about uh, catching bad guys. And when uh, politicians get together, they they talk about scamming people even more than what they have. (laughs) And when preachers get together, well, we, we just talk shop, so to speak. And every, every once in a while I'd ask uh, Carter, are you still back there? you awake? you still with us? And bless his heart, he hung on, I mean, just the whole night long. He was right there. And uh, probably when he got home, his mother grounded him for bad company that he was with <laughs> last night. But uh, I'm thrilled to be here and looking forward to what the Lord's going to do in these days that are set aside for revival. I'll say more about it in the next service, but God is in the revival business. Make no mistake about it. And we don't want just another meeting. We don't want just another series of services, but we want genuine, real, authentic revival. As you're turning <coughs> to Second Chronicles chapter number seven, as you're turning there, uh, I want to make mention, uh, if I can, I, I appreciate the Caldwell letting me bring my book table. And uh, there's a few things on the book table that may, uh, may interest you. Uh, I've, I've never done this before. Last, uh, last three meetings, I've taken my preaching CDs. I've never done this before. don't know if I'll do it again. But the last three meetings, I've taken my preaching CDs, and I have radically reduced the price. And uh, normally, they, uh, they go for $5.00. But uh, I've just started uh, discounting them $3. You can get any preaching CD on the table for $3. And uh, I just uh, randomly grabbed one uh, before coming into Sunday school this morning. And uh, the one I grabbed was preached in 2008. And uh, it's the message preached under a tent in Detroit when a Christian wears a pointed black hat and rides on a Long, old broom. Oh, my goodness, You almost have to be saved a hundred years and have a note from your mother to get this one. I can't believe, I, I can't believe I picked this one up. I mean, you talk about hard hitting and uh, three dollars. If you were to go to my website and order it, uh, it' be five dollars in shipping and handling, you can get it off the book table just just three dollars. Now, here's how we're going to do this. Uh, I'm, I like to tell, po- I tell folks at the book table, <coughs> I like to tell them I'm not a bank. I'm not a bank. So uh, if you give me a $5 bill, I'm going to give you the preaching CD and say thank you. Because I'm not a bank. We're not going to make change at the book table. If, uh, if you give me a $10 bill, I'm going to say, wow, I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to give you the CD. If you give me a $20 bill, I'm going to shake your hand and say thank you, and hand you the CD. If you give me a hundred dollar bill, oh, I'm going home with you. That's that's what I'm doing. But uh, it's not a bank. We don't make change at the book table. And so uh, three dollars, and uh, it's yours out the door. And uh, I think probably uh, I've got maybe about fifteen uh, different uh, preaching CDs that I brought with me, and uh, that's that's a great deal. Uh, the preacher. Uh, When I got in the car, when he picked me up uh, last night, he mentioned uh, this uh, message, Seven Reasons I Can't Become a Compromising Liberal. You're probably aware of the fact that we're living in a day that is uh, drunk with drift, both politically and spiritually. And uh, here's a message that is birthed out of a burden on why I can't become a compromising liberal. I received last year, uh, Brother Caldwell, the author's uh, copy as I was leaving to fly uh, from uh, Detroit to Buffalo, New York. About a 43 minute flight, if that, wheels up, wheels down. And uh, the mail brought my author's copy. I stuck it in my briefcase. And on that uh, 40 plus minute flight, I read my copy. And I didn't realize it till then, but I began to count Bible verses that are in this message. And they're 80 plus, 80 plus Bible Verses that are in this message, so a person could not take their Bible and take this message and read it carefully without coming to the same conclusion that I've come to on why I can't become a compromising liberal. there's seven reasons I, I won't list them because uh, <laughs> then you won't you won't purchase the pamphlet but uh, I'll just give you uh, one of them a reason that I can't become a compromising liberal is uh, I don't want to look back. I don't want to look back and see where I've given a pass. You know, compromise is like a snowball. Uh, The further it goes, the faster and fatter it gets. And I don't want to look back and see what I've given a pass to that I should have never given a pass to and so there're seven reasons why i can't become a compromising liberal and uh, boy we can't we can't keep that on the book table so you're turning to second uh, chronicles chapter 7 let me mention this devotional that is new as well neology you've heard about theology the study of the nature of god but here is a devotional entitled neology uh, a devotional on prayer and uh, <clears throat> there are 31 31 devotions Uh, on prayer, 31. So if you were to take a devotion a day, in 31 days, and it's kind of neat because today's March 1st. You could could get it at the table today and start today. In 31 days, the goal of Neology is to take all of our prayer lives to the next level. Wouldn't you like to get the place in your Christian life where a sermon on prayer, or a scripture on prayer, or a song on prayer doesn't convict you. Now, I didn't say it doesn't challenge you, but doesn't convict you. I'd like to get to that place in my Christian life, where my prayer life is much greater, much greater than it is. And so, uh, 31, very brief devotionals. Here's how I do it. I'll make a statement about prayer. Uh, for instance, uh, here's day 25. Trouble is troubled when believers talk to God about their trouble. And then I give you a quote from one of the giants that are in glory who believe that same thing. Charles Spurden said, prayer moves the arm that moves the world. Then I give you a Bible verse, Psalms 50, 15, and call upon me on the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And then watch this, I give you two paragraphs, just two, on that truth, trouble is troubled when believers talk to God about their trouble. And so uh, by reading it, you certainly won't get behind in your Bible reading. Very brief devotional, and it will, I promise you, if you'll use it, it'll take your prayer life to the next level. Uh, Brother Caldwell, I know churches that have bought uh, cases of these uh, for uh, their church members, Uh, sprinkled throughout, neology are some of my favorite hymns on prayer. Then there's a uh, prayer covenant where I show you how you can make a covenant with God in your prayer life. And then at the very end, there is the sermon, Why the Believer Ought to Pray. It's a message that literally I've preached all across America. And so uh, the thought behind uh, neology is uh, inspirational and instructional. 2 Chronicles, chapter number seven. Thank you for being so patient and uh, listening to the infomercial. Thank you so much. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, don't miss this, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. For a few moments in Sunday School, I want to speak on the subject, the classic verse on revival. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for these few moments we have together to open the Word of God. I pray that truly the Holy Spirit would be our Sunday School teacher. Give us spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear, and hearts that would be spiritual enough to respond to the good Word of God. and Lord, for all that you'll do, we'll be very careful, we'll be very cautious to give you all the praise, honor, and glory. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. If there is one Bible verse that has been quoted, referenced, and cited more than any other Bible verse in services, revival meetings, and conferences in our fundamental churches, it would have to be 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin And will heal their land. Now, the word classic uh, means judged over a period of time to be the highest quality and outstanding of its kind, very typical of its kind. Now, there are certain verses in uh, the Word of God that when Christians think about a choice truth, they think about a select verse, leaving a Bible marker in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I want to give you some of those. Uh, first of all, prayer. Prayer. Look at Jeremiah 33:3. When we uh, talk about prayer, when we uh, preach about prayer, <coughs> when we uh, think about prayer, there's a verse that comes to our mind, and uh, I call it a classic verse on prayer, Jeremiah 33:3. "Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great." and mighty things which thou knowest not. Uh, by the way, that happens to be my, my life verse. Uh, whenever I have the privilege of signing a Bible. Now for uh, many, many, many years, underneath my signature, I put Jeremiah 33.3. 3. I remember when our uh, son, who's grown, uh, Aaron, and has a family uh, of his own now, I remember when he was a teenager, uh, probably about Carter's age, he went with me to a revival meeting. Yeah, I was preaching in the area, and uh, my son wanted to go with me one night. And after the service, we were at the uh, and this this will date me, the Caldwell. We were at my tape table. That that dates me. Uh, there are folks in this room that didn't even know that at one time preaching was on tape. You think now it only comes on a CD, but there was a time when preaching came on tape. Now I do not go back to the day which is Moses' day when preaching was on tablets. I, I don't go back that far. But uh, my son was standing with me at the tape table, and a lady came by and she said, uh, Dr. Hamlin, I want you to sign my Bible, but I want your son who's with you, I want him to sign uh, my Bible first. And uh, my son was shocked, but he very graciously borrowed a pen, and he uh, signed the Bible, and then Gave it back to the lady, said thank you, and she gave it to me and said, now I want you to sign after your son did. And so I put, uh, of course, my signature and the address of the verse that's in front of you right now, Jeremiah 33.3. For years, that has been my life verse. Later that night, when it was just my son and I alone, I asked him, uh, A, when did John 3.16 become your life verse? (laughs) He said, Pops. They call me Pops. He said, that's the only verse I could think of was John 3, 16. <laughs> I said, uh, B, I said, uh, what is number 12? Now, I knew what number 12 was, but I said, what's number 12? He said, well, that's my basketball jersey. I, I just put my name, John three sixteen, number 12, my basketball jersey, to which I said, dumb, dumb, when you sign a Bible, nobody cares about what your basketball jersey is. <laughs> and so when we think about prayer, when we think about prayer, there is a choice verse that we think about, a classic verse. It is Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Uh, turn to uh, Proverbs 11.30. Proverbs 11.30. When we think about soul winning, why well, there's a verse that comes to mind, and it's Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that with souls is wise. So, that is a Classic verse on soul winning. Uh, look at 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. Bible study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. When we think about Bible study, why, there's a verse that immediately, I mean right now, comes to our thinking, and it is 2 Timothy 2.15. Church attendance. Look at Hebrews 10.25. When we think about church attendance, guess what? There's a verse that comes to our mind, and that is Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When you think about church attendance, I mean, there's probably... uh, a bushel basket of Bible verses that we could think about. But the number one verse, I mean out-the-gate verse, the first verse has to be that classic verse of Hebrews 10.25, a Spirit's fullness. Would you look at Ephesians 5 and verse number 18 when we think about being filled with the Spirit? And uh, there's only one baptism. There's only one baptism of the Spirit, that's when you are saved, one baptism, but many fillings, and that is as we yield uh, to the Spirit of God. When we think about the Spirit's fullness, why, Brother Caldwell, a preacher couldn't preach on being filled with the Spirit without quoting Ephesians 5.18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then I want you to go back to Second Chronicles 7.14, and a classic verse on revival is the one that's in front of us right now. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. A classic verse on revival. The great evangelist D.L. Moody wrote uh, In his Bible, uh, on the top of our text, The Pathway of Blessing. I have Brother Caldwell in my office a book, (coughs) a book that's entitled Notes from My Bible. And uh, I never prepare a message, never do, but what I reference that book. And uh, I want to see if the text that I've taken that God's put upon my heart, if D.L. Moody said anything about it. And so someone took one of his Bibles and took everything on the fly leaves, everything on the margins, and put it in one book. And in D.L. Moody's Bible, over Second Chronicles seven fourteen, he wrote the pathway of blessing. Friend, you and I, those of us that are saved, <laughs> are saved, <coughs> are saved, ought to follow the classic verse and find there a considerable. Revival. Now, I want us to note in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 the three what I call signposts for revival. And they're right here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. Number one, the people. If my people, a signpost that there points to a spiritual awakening is the people. If my people, which are called by my name, Now, a signpost for a spiritual awakening. Thank you, Carter. I appreciate that. Pardon me. A signpost for a spiritual awakening is the people. Now, look how God lays this out. If my people. Now, if you and I were writing 2 Chronicles 7.14, we'd put a period there. But God doesn't put a period there. God puts a comma, if my people, comma, which are called by my name. Now what God is saying is, uh, I'm talking to you. And then God says, hey, I'm talking to you. So twice, in two different ways, God says the very same thing, to drive home the point that we are the people of revival. Boy, we like it when a preacher tears up the liquor crowd, and the liquor crowd needs to be tore up. We like it when a preacher in his preaching uh, tears up the lascivious crowd. That's a crowd that doesn't even have the uh, morals of an alley cat, and that crowd ought to be tore up. Boy, we like it when a preacher hits the pulpit and absolutely uh, gives that uh, lascivious crowd uh, what for. Uh, we like it when a preacher tears up uh, the liberal crowd. And that's uh, what, uh, what the uh, message, Seven Reasons, I Can't Become a Compromising Liberal is all about. But we like it when a preacher goes after the liquor crowd and the lascivious crowd and the liberal crowd. But wait a minute. The reason we don't have revival is not because of the liquor crowd. And the reason we don't have revival is not because of the lascivious crowd, the crowd that has less morals than an alley cap the reason we don't have revival is not because of the liberal crowd. The reason we don't have revival is because of me. And it's because of you. It's the Lord's crowd. And so a signpost uh, that there will show the way to a spiritual awakening is the people. The songwriter wrote, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Now, since that's uh, a song we can kind of monkey with the words a little bit. And I think a better song would be, It's not my brother, it's not my sister, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of revival. The people. Number two, look at it in 2 Chronicles 7 in verse 14, the plan. The plan. A signpost in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 that shows the way a spiritual awakening is the plan shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Now if you followed closely as I read that scripture you'll note that there are four detailed parts in God's design for a Bible revival. One of my heroes Dr. Sammy Allen says uh, revival for survival. And we don't want a revival that's outside the covers of the Word of God. We want a Bible revival. And so in a Bible revival there are four detailed parts and God just very methodically lays it out. Number one, examination. Shall humble themselves. You say, Dr. Hamlin, boy, my wife needs revival. I bet she does, but you need it more than she does. So, oh, Dr. Hamlin, my, my husband needs revival. I bet he does, but uh, you need it more than he does. Oh, Dr. Hamlin, my kids, my kids, they're a bunch of heathens, and they need revival. I'm sure they do, but you need revival. Oh, Dr. Hamlin, there's a lady or a man that goes to our church, a lady or a gentleman, and I know, I, man, I see what they post on Wastebook. Did I say that out loud? Wastebook. I can't tell what I say in my head and what I say out loud. Mrs. Hamlin says you don't say anything in your head. Everything you say is out loud. Boy, I see what so-and-so posts on Facebook. By the way, uh, Santa Claus for Christmas, he's bringing you a Bible in clothes. Because he's been to your Facebook account and apparently you don't have either. Say amen right there. You say, oh, I know this sister, I know this brother. I, I see what they post on Facebook and they need revival. They probably do. But you need revival as well. shall humble themselves. I'm make a statement and I hope that you'll write it down. If we are half as spiritual or half as concerned, here's the statement, if we are half as concerned about ourselves, spiritually speaking, as we are everybody else, we'd have revival in 24 short hours. But we're quick, we are quick to point out the flaws of others and we probably have more flaws than they do. So there is examination. Shall humble themselves. Secondly, supplication and pray. There has never been a revival apart from prayer. There's never been a revival apart from talking to God. There's never been a revival apart from spending time alone with God. You know, the preacher picked me up last night and uh, we drove from Baltimore to Martinsburg, and uh, I got into my room after uh, midnight. And uh, before I unpacked, like I always do, I I looked over the room, and uh, I I do this every time I'm in a meeting. I decide the spot where I'm going to pray while I'm in that meeting. Now, sometimes I'm only in a motel room uh, 24 hours. Sometimes, like this week, uh, a handful of days. But But before I even unpack, before I even take my Bible out of my briefcase, before I even uh, pillow my head, I'll decide now where am I going to pray this week in this meeting? Where am I going to meet with God and and God's going to hopefully meet with me? And I've already picked out my spot. Now if someone who spends their life literally in meetings like this every week of the world would pray for a revival, would you not Pray for revival as well. Encourage my heart when the preacher told me that the people are praying for revival. Encourage my heart when he said that he got text messages early this morning to people because of uh, the bubonic plague. I've been fighting some allergies and I coughed out in the lobby, and this dear brother asked me if I had the coronavirus. He wanted to know if I'd been to China or not. I did have Chinese food the other day. I don't know if that might have caught it that way, but pray. So there's examination. Secondly, there's supplication. Watch this. Thirdly, continuation. Now that's what really separates the men from the boys. Because here's what happens uh, over the Caldwell. We'll, we'll examine ourselves. We'll, we'll pray. And then when when a revival doesn't come, when we don't have a breakthrough, when we don't see God do, do something great, We quit. We we throw in the towel. We turn back, but look how God lays it out: examination shall humble themselves, supplication and pray, continuation and seek My face. What do we do when revival doesn't come? Well, we keep examining ourselves. We keep praying. Well, what do we do when uh, the meeting ends and we didn't see revival? Uh, we examine ourselves and we pray. Well, what do we do after three weeks after the meeting is gone and and the evangelist has already moved on to uh, four or five different meetings? Well, we examine ourselves and we pray. Continuation. Just keep on praying till light breaks through. The Lord will answer, will answer you. God keeps His promise. His Word is true. Just keep on praying till light breaks through. Continuation. And then number four, look at it. Elimination and turn from their wicked ways. God there lays it out in four detailed parts, his design to a Bible revival. And keep in mind, the only kind of revival we want is the type that's found within the covers of the Word of God. Examination, supplication, continuation. Number four, elimination. The plan. And then number three, and last of all, the product. So not only there's the people, if my people, which are called by my name, then there's the plan, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, the product. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. A signpost in 2 Chronicles 7.14 that shows the way to a spiritual awakening, is the product. Now, that word product simply means uh, the finished goods. You remember I told you that uh, D.L. Moody wrote on the top of 2 Chronicles 7.14 in his Bible, over the top he wrote the pathway to blessing. I've got to tell you that at the bottom of the verse he also wrote something, and he wrote, it brings heaven within speaking distance. So at the top he wrote the pathway of blessing," and at the bottom of the verse he wrote, "It brings heaven within speaking distance. Our country needs revival yeah. And we often look at the White House, but what we need to do, what we need to do is look at our house and look at the church house. and when our house and the church house has revival, Well, the promise in 2 Chronicles 7.14 is it will affect the White House. Now, it's a whole lot easier to point at the White House and say, boy, they need to do this and they need to do that. And it it doesn't matter the administration. It doesn't matter. The Apostle Paul could be president. And our nature is such that we would point at the White House and say, boy, they need to do this and they need to do that. But how about if we fix our house, which will result in the house of God being affected, which will then reach all the way to the White House. Look at the verse, Then will I hear from heaven. That's answered prayer. Forgive their sin. That's fellowship with God. And watch it, and we'll heal their land. That's where our country will feel the residual of us having revival. Many classic verses in the Bible I listed several uh, in the early part uh, of Sunday school. But here is the classic verse on revival. I'm closing with this. I remember as a young man our home church was having a revival meeting. (coughs) And uh, uh, the church uh, had prayer meetings, Brother Caldwell, like you have been doing and your people have been doing, for revival before the evangelist ever got there. They were praying for revival. And I remember that a deacon in our church had asked the church to pray for his boy, who was a prodigal, and they had a uh, revival prayer list, and they put things on that revival prayer list that they were praying that God would do in that revival meeting. I'll never forget it. I, I was probably seventeen, maybe maybe eighteen, uh, no no older than nineteen. And one night, the church that I was a member of, our home church, was the Calvary Baptist Church in Allen Park, Michigan, and they. They didn't have a building at the time. We were renting from a high school. We used their gymnasium. And we'd use it on Sunday and, and Wednesday. But we got some extra days and had a Sunday through Friday revival meeting. And I remember one night the evangelist had preached, he had given the invitation, and that deacon, Brother Ed Millard, and his wife had come forward. And we didn't have an altar like you do here at Faith Baptist Church. They they just took some folding chairs and, Brother Caldwell, they turned them around, and people would use those folding chairs on either side of the pulpit as a as an old fashioned altar. Now, I remember that uh, on one end of the altar was Brother Millard and his wife. The evangelist had preached. The invitation was going on, and all of a sudden, the back door of the gymnasium opened up, and in not walked but in ran. Their boy, Amen. that they'd been praying for, and the church had been praying for. Uh, he didn't sit down. He didn't speak to anyone. He came running through the back door of that gymnasium, came down came down that main aisle of folding chairs. Hit a folding chair that had been made into an altar, and on this side of the altar, got right with God. Now, on the other side of the altar, was his parents praying for him. And by the way, uh, they got done before he did. So that means they got up before he did, and when they saw him on the altar, now mind you, he hadn't been in the service, hadn't been to one night of that revival meeting, had no clue what the evangelist preached that night, came running in during the invitation. When they got up off that altar on this end, before he got done getting right on this end, well, Brother Caldwell Sr., let me just put it like this, business picked up in that revival meeting. We shouted all over that gymnasium. I later learned from their son who would, now keep in mind, he hadn't been in one service, wasn't in the service that night, had no idea what the evangelist preached, never heard one Bible verse, never heard one choir special, never heard one, one song of special music, came running in during the invitation and got right with God. I later learned that night that he was at work, he worked at Great Lake Steel, He was at his machine, and he came under conviction. And he said to his foreman, I have an hour lunch break. He said, I'm going to my parents' church. He said, I'm I'm done running from God. I'm tired of running from God. I'm getting right with God tonight. And his foreman told him, you go to that revival meeting. Don't you come back. You won't have a job. And that young man said, that's up to you. But I'm going to church, and I'm getting right with God the product wouldn't you like to see somebody come running in maybe yeah. this morning never heard the choir never heard the special music never heard me preach but hit an altar and get right with God wouldn't you like to see something happen that these young people would talk about long after we're gone long after we're in heaven would it be something if these young people were saying well that revival meaning in in March of 2020, I mean to tell you, God showed up and God showed out. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to see God do something that they would tell their grandchildren that they were a part of? Yeah. I believe from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, we can still see it happen. Amen. Amen. I'll give you one more last week, one more, and I'm done. Last week I was in a revival meeting in Swanton, Ohio. Um... I uh, live in Canton, Michigan, Mrs. Hamlin and I do, and we uh, early Sunday morning drove to Swanton about uh, 65 miles from our home in Canton, Michigan, and uh, Sunday morning a fellow by the name of Troy got saved. I asked Troy, I said, how old are you, Troy? He said, I'm 58. I said, really? He said, I'm 58? He said, I'll be 59 in March. I said, Really? He said, yes. I said, what's, what's your birthday? He said, March 18th. I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, why? I said, mine birthday's March 19th. And by the way, I hope some of you will reach for your pen and write that down and send me a card. I <laughs> hope you remember that. I said, mine's March 19th and I'll be 59 March 19th. He said, wow, what a small world. Well, come to find out, Troy, four years ago, Somebody left a gospel track on his door four years ago. And he'd been coming to the Swanton Baptist Church the last two weeks, and last Sunday morning got saved. Trusted Christ, him and his mom were in the revival meeting, back in the revival meeting on Tuesday night. The product. Let's pray. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed.